Welcome. You've joined the Sexy Lifestyle with Carol and David. Our show is here to help you achieve better, better love, better sex, and a better, more intimate relationship. Are you ready? Take notes and send us your questions. This is the Sexy Lifestyle. Now, here are your hosts, Carol and David. Hi, everyone. I'm Carol. And I'm David. Are you ready to spice up your sex life and live happy, healthy, and always horny? Well, you've come to the right place because that's what the sexy lifestyle is all about. And you know, David and I are passionate about making your sex life the best it can be. We sure do. And we love talking about sex and sexuality, sexual pleasure, communication, consent, respect, and relationships, and hope our discussions open up your dialogue about great sex because... Well, great sex matters, and we all deserve it. We sure do. Before we get into the show, as we always do, we want to talk about our top waterproof blanket because great sex is messy sex and nobody wants to sleep in the wet spot. And if you're fed up with sleep with having to change your sheets every time you have sex, then you need one of our top waterproof blankets. It's 100% waterproof and leak-proof and guarantees to keep your bed and mattress dry no matter how wet it gets. From messy massage oils or silicone lubes to all sorts of sexy wetness, just throw it in the washer and dryer and it comes out looking like brand new. And you don't have to leave your house to get one. Simply and safely go to Amazon and order yours today. Search Top Waterproof Blanket, that's T-O-P, Waterproof Blanket. Great sex starts now. It sure does, and so does today's show. You know we're Carol and David. This is The Sexy Lifestyle. And we're so excited to introduce today's guest, Dr. Lindsay Berkson. As a best-selling author of 21 books on health, the environment, hormones, and intimacy, Dr. Lindsay is known for combining science with humor. Her latest book, Sexy Brain, shows how great sex is nature's way to take care of the human race. All right. Now that we have all that out of the way, Lindsay, <laughs> welcome and thanks so much for being here. I am excited to be on a show with two guys like you that let the world know how much they should enjoy and have intimacy and pass that on to their great kids. That is wonderful. <laughs> I love it. So we all know that our large sex organ is the brain and your latest book is called sexy brain so let's get started by talking about your book where did you come up with the idea to do a book the sexy brain I got hired by a bunch of surgeons and urologists that were opening up 100 erectile dysfunction clinics. And they said, we hear that you write very good books on hormones, and we'd like to collaborate on some books that we'll put in the waiting room so patients could read them. So I started doing due diligence on intimacy and sex and problems with sex because the clinics were for erectile dysfunction. And frankly, I was blown away by the elegant peer review, which means highest level science there was about the benefits of sex on cognition, especially on your brain, on your outlook of life. Women who could look back over their whole lifetime and say that they had really great sex, had less attempts of suicide, had less heart uh, issues and better arterial and blood vessel health than even statins could produce. It was really extraordinary. And while that was happening at the same time, I was seeing younger and younger and more numbers of young patients come into my office saying, I don't really have a sex drive anymore. I like my mate. I kind of endure it for them, but I don't really feel that much anymore. And 
the age was younger and younger. So as I saw that sex was more and more important for health in the brain, and yet less and less people were wanting to do it, because I'm a healer and a writer and a researcher, I knew I had to write a book called Sexy Brain. Now, when you did your due diligence and your research, were you in the library? Were you talking to a million people? Well, I'm a scientist. I was a scholar at a hormone think tank, a Tulane University associated with the med school and Xavier University. I've done original research with the University of Texas Medical School in Houston. So I've been researching for years and um, I have multiple degrees, but I really know how to jump and dive into the literature, how to assess studies, how to say if studies have hard data or soft data, which is kind of a double entendre on this show. <laughs> we want hard Un- data. Unintended, exactly. <laughs> Love it. It was really amazing to me. Most people are not aware that the brain is run by your sex hormones, by estrogen, testosterone, progesterone. It's run by a few other hormones that aren't your sex hormones like oxytocin and prolactin, but hormones run your brain. That's partially also why I call it sexy brain. And hormones depend on nutrients that are in the brain. So the brain is a big bag of zinc, for example. The highest level of zinc is in the brain because hormones need zinc to deliver their signals to keep the brain really cognitively bright. You have a lot of B vitamins you have really healthy fats, you have minerals, and you have hormones. And what's interesting is that when you have great intimacy and you release chemicals between two people being intimate with each other, you release those hormones and those nutrients and they go into the bloodstream and they enter in the brain. And I realized, and these connect the dots have never been made by anyone else before, that great intimacy is nature's way to keep your brain more cognitively fit. And research is coming out of England. It's coming out of Sweden, showing the people who have more what I call awakened or enjoyable sex, where they keep it going longer in life, they have less cognition, less Alzheimer's, less Lewy body disease, less cognitive decline. They stay brighter, younger. And in fact, in Sweden, they have done a bunch of very fascinating studies where they finally concluded that intimacy and sex is a big part of keeping the nuclear family together. I don't know if you want to hear that that study that blew my mind in Sweden, but all that research really lets us know that we need to have intimacy, not just for having babies, but but it's the relationship glue. It's a glue for the family. And it is mother nature's gift, our, her absolute gift that we keep having this pleasure and that by this pleasure if it's the bigger the pleasure the bigger the o the smaller the a alzheimer's disease the bigger the o the bigger orgasm nature intended us to have pleasure and from the chemical consequences of that pleasure it caretakes the brain because nature is always about the next generation the children so hopefully if you're a smarter more fit adult you'll have a more stable family and the human race will have more potential of moving forward in a positive manner so this is an evolutionary advantage that humans have to ensure the progression of our race i guess i like this have more orgasms and live longer and have smarter and better kids <laughs> sounds exactly like a plan right. to me <laughs> Well, you know, Sweden was saying, the Swedes are amazing. They're very 
forward thinking and they're a great society and they were noticing the government that Swedish families were separating before their first child was four or five years old. So they hired Gothenburg University to do a study to find out why families were breaking up because this makes a country more unstable. And they followed quite a large number of couples over almost 10 years and then they published their data in Psychological Nordic 2016 and they said the reason the couples that break up versus the couples that stay together had less great sex they didn't know how to communicate or be sensual throughout the day they didn't realize that sex is not just in the bedroom and they even spun off of that the idea that the government would start sponsoring better communication and sexual education and intimacy communication for Swedes so that Swedish families would be stronger and thus the country would be stronger because how you are in your bedroom affects your culture, you know, from person to person and family to family, it adds up. So this is a brand new way of understanding the importance of all that joy that is possible for us. That's awesome. Is it like a community type service teaching couples how to have better communication? Or is it something that's now going to be into the educational system as in general? They just mentioned in that research at the end, usually in in a a scientific study, they'll have at the end a discussion and a conclusion. And they mentioned that it was the intention of the government to start acting on this knowledge and create, I bet they're going to do it in the school systems because they're pretty um, pretty interesting. Yeah, very advanced, and they're very open sexually, too, but they noticed that there was a problem, and they wanted to deal with it, and they saw that intimacy was part of the answer. Wow, that is so cool? cool. Absolutely cool. Well, you know, I really think that besides teaching science and history in school as we start from kindergarten upward, I've always thought we should teach emotional management, and part of emotional management, because if you have more peaceful people, you'll have less risk down the road of, of more strife and war. And part of emotional management is is managing intimacy. What is it like? And intimacy isn't just in the boudoir. Intimacy is how you are with each other. But in today's modern society, as I discuss a lot in Sexy Brain, our young kids are being more Velcroed to a screen <laughs> and phone yeah. and texting rather than they are to eye contact and one-on-one person connection. And some of these molecules are released just by hanging out with your best friends. My alma mater, the University of Michigan, did elegant research where they showed that if women hung out together like at Starbucks and you're laughing and you're hanging, you release more progesterone. And progesterone is one of the sexy steroid hormones that helps protect your brain. So real, true community also releases not quite as much as having orgasm, but in our high-tech society today, we have more communication over the texting and the computer, which we can edit and delete and multitask, and we're not really focused, and we don't release those beneficial molecules in the same way, because that's not the real authentic connection. And is that on the same vein as when you talk about how great sex protects the family? Is that uh, that type of intimacy that really helps us be better humans? Well, what that is with sex protects the family is when sex is a fabulous glue, and what makes that glue are bonding hormones and vitality and health. So, for example, when a man and a woman orgasm, they release 
a hormone that's normally thought of as the love hormone. It's called oxytocin, but it's also called the bonding hormone. It's like a glue hormone. And the more you have a bonding period and the more you make great love, the more oxytocin you release and the more you feel connected to each other. They've done research where they've shown two people that are having lots of sex, really attractive pictures of strangers and the couples will not respond to them because that bonding hormone is making them see each other as who they want to stay with. So oxytocin, which is part of the bonding hormone, helps keep us together. And it also, even when our kids, we have some release, just touched and being with our kids releases some oxytocin and it releases it in them because we all release oxytocin every two or three minutes throughout our entire lives. It's not just an orgasm, although women secrete it the most in orgasm. That's why women bond through lovemaking more than men do because they secrete more oxytocin than anyone because nature intended her to be able to have tons of oxytocin to really bond with the child and be the main caretaker. And the husband is a caretaker too, but perhaps that was the physiologic plan and template for a woman to make so much of it but that's why a guy could say to a woman okay you know we're going to make love like every Tuesday as friends you know maybe we'll have a swinging time or whatever it is (laughs) but I'm really not ready to have a monogamous relationship with you I'm going to do that with three or four other people and have a polyamorous but sometimes a woman will then become bonded to that person no matter what she says cognitively her hormones make her do it her brain makes her do it because oxytocin is a gluey sticky bonding hormone but ultimately that makes for a stronger family when and if you decide to have a family wow that sounds awesome and one of the things that we always say is that we have a great sex life but although we like swinging it's not because we don't have a great sex life but that could be one of the reasons why we don't even feel any jealousy when we are in a swinging environment because we have such a bonded relationship to begin with because we have such great sex together. Well, we're emotionally monogamous. Yeah, but we also love to uh, experience other people and and there's no jealousy when we do that, probably because we're so bonded as a couple to begin with. Boy, that says a lot for both of your self-esteem because a lot of people are jealous or insecure. Of course, jealousy comes from insecurity or needing so much from that one other person. I love that you just said you're emotionally monogamous and you're so emotionally monogamous and bonded, it allows you to be physically uh, polyamorous. And, And I think that's so great that the two of you together are on the same plane and you both have that strength of unity and from that you can go out and enjoy diversity. That's really quite extraordinary. That that says a lot about the depth of your own self-love and presence and your own personal emotional health. So kudos to you. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. We figured it out somehow. So, you know, our last part. How did you of- figure that out? How did you do that? <laughs> well, I mean, were you, were, were, were you, did you figure it out within this relationship yes. or were you already both like, okay. We decided yeah. to learn from our past mistakes and we intentionally made a very strong relationship. We really talked a lot about it and what we liked and what we didn't like about our previous relationships and decided let's not go there because we know that didn't work out very well. Let's go forward in this angle. And it's we just found the right place for us. This is where we belong. Like we really know that this is right for us. We've been together 12 years and it's just this where we should be. Boy, that's truly amazing. So I'm so excited to meet you because it's so great to see the way different people live. It's kind of like when you learn to speak Italian and then German and your brain and your perception of life gets stretched the more you see the world through another language. And intimacy in diverse ways is love in diverse languaging. And it makes you have a 
a broader and broader capacity to understand diversity and therein lies the seed of wisdom. So I just am, you know, I think that's really beautiful. Thank you. We, we found it, I guess we found it by chance, but it certainly worked out for us. By chance. Oh, boy. I think we could have an hour conversation on that. <laughs> uh, we, we've had 50 shows where we talk about our lifestyle and how every time we go out and get in a swinging environment or a swinging situation, it just makes our couple stronger and stronger and stronger because each time we do something, like we just came off a big uh, lifestyle cruise, it makes us communicate. It makes us talk. It makes us learn. We see other people who are stronger, who are great couples and it's just that perpetual we call it the three x's for for great sex yeah it's the express explore and experience. and experience and and you do it again and again and again so you're always you know talking about something trying something and then talking about it again so it's it's just it's just such a, a great way to keep um that that balance in your life and to keep our sex life and our relationship so strong well it helps us to grow as a couple so if you keep growing and it seems like when people fall in love if they're very insecure or they just have had the understanding of love that they saw from their parents and they haven't explored and expanded that then they kind of want to keep they're fearful of losing what they have and they want to control and and out of that fear they can actually make the relationship not live and grow and then therein lies the seed for a divorce rate now of over 50%. In fact, in 2014 was the first time in the census in the United States that we have more single people than we have married people. That was the first time that ever happened wow. since they've been taking the census. Yikes. That's not good. Well, we know we've lived through it, but hopefully we've learned from it and that's what that's where we're standing right now. So that's awesome. Absolutely. So let's remind everybody that this is the Sexy Lifestyle. We are Carol and David and we're talking to Dr. Lindsay Berkson. So, you know, people have been asking us, what's changed after four years of doing the podcast? Well, a lot has. But to be honest, the orgasm gap still remains a challenge for many couples. You know what I'm talking about. Men tend to finish before their female partners. You've heard us talk about Promescent for years. Their urologist-developed FDA-compliant delay spray can help men last up to 64% longer without loss of sensation. And it's great because Promescent is quickly absorbed into the penis and it doesn't transfer to your partner. And speaking of your partner, I think we can all agree that sometimes women, even when alone, still have challenges around reaching orgasm. So now, Promescent has created a female arousal gel. I love it. It's a clitoral stimulant that she can rub into her clitoris for increased pleasure and a lot more satisfaction during pretty much any type of sexual activity that you can think of. Absolutely. So now they've got promescent delay spray for him and arousal gel for her. So basically, they're closing the orgasm gap on both sides. And remember to check out their amazing lubes as well. Yeah, trust us. Try these amazing products and you'll thank us later. Seriously, just write to us at ask at and tell us how it went. So try Promescent today. Just go to the website www.promescent.com. That's P-R-O-M-E-S-C-E-N-T dot com. Yeah, and now, and especially for a limited time, if you enter Sexy Lifestyle 15, you'll get 15% off every order. And remember, tell your friends too, that's Sexy Lifestyle 15 for 15% off. This is The Sexy Lifestyle. We are Carol and David, and we're talking to Dr. Lindsay Berkson. So, Lindsay, um, you have a chapter in your book dedicated to uh, pleasing women, which is a whole lot longer than the chapter on pleasing men. Why is that? (laughs) 
you know, almost everybody asks me that. They say, oh, my God, the chapter on pleasing women is three times longer than chapter on pleasing men. It's much more complicated to please a woman. And a man is much more testosterone driven. And they've done MRIs going into the brain of what happens when a man is starting to be turned on. And that basically his genitalia area of the, the guides the the um, penis and that area of the body is what's turned on and his visual area is turned on. Two areas of the brain are turned on and when he sees a woman, it's kind of like he just wants to go for it. That that he's testosterone driven, which is task oriented and he wants to go for it. So it was pretty clear cut and I do go through the explanation of the molecules of estrogen and testosterone, how my mentors at Tulane are the scientists that have researched how they've been signaling each other for thousands of years and I translate that into the bedroom but ultimately we do need each other but there's tremendous genderized differences and men will just go straight forward if they were able to whereas women women are designed by nature to be wide open much more emotional so that if the baby is in danger they can hear it so the woman is real wide open and if you think of lovemaking as a bullseye a man is more oriented to go to right to the center of the bullseye and a woman wants to start on the outer circles and gently move her way in so I guide a man how to do all those things because he so wants to give her pleasure and a woman is so much more complicated. Estrogen, a hormone delivers a signal to a satellite dish. There are proteins in the shape of a round satellite dish called a receptor. And testosterone has two receptors and estrogen has 11 or 12 receptors. Testosterone receptors do almost the same thing. Testosterone, estrogen receptors do different things. Estrogen goes up and down and up and down and up and down all throughout the month. And testosterone stays basically mostly the same. There's some variations, but it basically stays the same. So there's tremendous physiologic difference. Men are more steady. Men are more rock-like. Men are more simplistic in their sexual needs and what they would prefer to do. Women are more complex. They're more mysterious. They're more emotional. They certainly could be grounded and be a surgeon and be all kinds of things, but we're wired that way. And I approach the bedroom based on physiology of the atoms of estrogen and testosterone. And so I go into what a man can do to make a woman never want to leave him and love awakened sex, which is what I call it, and want it for many, many years and not want it when her hormones start going south. I think if a woman has really phenomenal sex, then she wants it a lot, just like a guy does. But most women, after the first few months of lavender romance, never really have that because we think it's if we meet the right person, it's just going to happen. The right person will inspire it to just be perfect. When it's like everything else, it's educational. So I do educate the guys what to do, and it I show them what to do, but it was less book space that was needed to do that <laughs> and for the guy uh, and um, so there you have it and I had two ladies so far the book came out nine months ago and two people two totally different people that didn't know each other one woman in Arizona and another woman in Arkansas sent me a note saying that they were one woman was separated for three years they were ready to get the divorce the other couple was living in different places and they were just about ready to sign the divorce papers and my book came out and the women read it and they took their husbands of all things both the women took both husbands on a road trip and they both sent me pictures of them reading my book 
of the chapters of what a man and woman should do to each other to never want to go away from each other. And both couples ended up getting back together. One couple remarried themselves. The other couple has bought a home and is moving in with each other. And they wrote a thank you note. Wow, that is an awesome story. I love that. I'm sure you must be so proud to have heard those stories. But you know, what's very cool is uh, we had uh, your dear friend Susan Bratton on our show a couple of weeks ago, and she told us about her experience with her husband and how they were almost done and sex was boring, and they went out and actually did something about it because relationships and marriage are hard work, and now there are gurus out there teaching other couples how to make it work and keep it hot and spicy. I That's exactly right. That's why this show that you are doing and the work that Susan is doing and the work that I am doing is so helpful because everyone really wants a great family life and wants a great relationship. But for some reason, it's come into the American culture and mental perception that if it's really right, it won't take that much work. It'll just fall into place. And that's not true about anything that's complex and juicy and marvelous and amazing and needs to be sustained. It's just that we don't know where to go to do it. So I really honor that you're having a show like this where people can learn about the importance of intimacy, the juiciness of intimacy, and that there's a lot to learn to achieve all that. And once you do, it keeps even growing and you need to feed it then, but it's so worth it. And it means to open yourself up on the body, mind, spirit level with data, with information like in my book and with guidelines and with hearing couples that are so alive like you and Susan and her couple. I myself am still dating. Uh, well, that's <laughs> okay. I my you. guy yet. <laughs> that's all good. But I've had really great relationships. I really have. I've, I've had wonderful relationships and very few people get to have that the joy of that amazing intimacy, which I call awakened sex. So I love that you are doing the work that you're doing. Thank, thank you. Thank you so much. And your book is also obviously teaching people how to have a better sex life because look at your wonderful story of these two couples who've just got back together after almost giving up. So, Lindsay, thanks so much for explaining how men and women's brains are so different and how great sex can help protect our brains. This is The Sexy Lifestyle, and we are Carol and David. Today, we're talking with Dr. Lindsay Berkson, author of Sexy Brain. Dr. Lindsay has a master's degree in nutrition, and she loves to cook. And one of the things that I know that you're very passionate about, too, is how the health of the brain is so connected to the foods that we eat. Can we switch gears a little bit and talk a little bit about that? Sure. So it's hard to believe, but sex starts in the gut. (laughs) Everything starts in the gut. Your intestinal tract is the mothership of your health, and your gut and your brain are twins and best friends. So to explain what I mean by that, when you're a, a fetus inside your mother's womb, there is a little bit of cells called the neural crest, N-E-U-R-A-L, neural crest. And they develop into a few other steps and split apart. And one half goes up and becomes the brain and the other half becomes the gut. So there's tremendous commonality between the brain and the gut. And both of them depend incredibly on quality nutrition, 
you, for example, if you eat a lot of fresh fruits and vegetables in a rainbow diet, colored fruits and vegetables get plenty of vitamin C, you make more of that bonding hormone oxytocin. But if you consume more processed foods and hydrogenated and processed fats and less vegetables, even under the best circumstances, you make less oxytocin. So hormones lean on nutrients. They need nutrients to deliver their signals to keep all of you, your libido going and your brain going. And then the nutrients depend on your digestion. You could eat the best diet in the world, but if your gut is not digesting it, then you don't absorb the food that you eat down to the nutrients that your hormones need to keep you rocking and rolling. And um, the other thing that people don't realize is that we we are kind of a walking set of a hotel. Each human being is like a hotel and we have rooms that renters live in. And these renters are microbial life. They can be fungi, viruses, bacteria. Many people now know about it in the colon called the microbiome. But we've got microbial life in our esophagus and in our nose, our nasal cavities and in our mouth and in our breast tissue and our prostate tissue. We have in every nook and cranny, we have microbial life. And that microbial life, crazy enough, has a lot to do with the health of our hormones a lot to do with the health of our hormones. And the more we're exposed to pesticides and toxic chemicals, that microbial life will damage our hormones. And then we come in, patients walk into my office, 23, 24 years old and say, I don't really have much sex drive anymore. I really just don't feel it. I was at a conference a few months ago in Arizona a relicensing conference and there were a bunch of doctors in the elevator and they were all parents and they were commenting that when they were 15, all they wanted to do was make out with women and drive cars. Okay. <laughs> and they were lamenting that their sons didn't want to drive, didn't want to leave home, didn't want to make out with women. So there's a lot of data now. I talk about it in Sexy Brain. And when I was a scholar at Tulane, this was a focus of our research is there's an epidemic of of low testosterone in men and there's also low hormones in women because we have hormone altering chemicals in our toxic planet. So these hormones, we need to run our body, to run our brain and to keep wanting sex and to have great sex, but they're being assaulted by our dirty planet. So I address all of that in Sexy Brain because doctors in in clinical trenches haven't been taught this in schools because this is brand new research in a new field called endocrine disruption that's really just come out in the last 15 years or so. And the scientists I worked with at Tulane were the people that started this field. Is that why probiotics have kind of popped up out of the blue and now you see them in yogurts and in pill form and all different things? Is, is that what people can take to help fight against that? That's a really great question, Carol. Probiotics help and they're good, but nothing, I just was a lecturer at a gut symposium in Chicago a few weeks ago with some top, what we call functional gastroenterologists, where we look a lot at food. And we were talking a lot about the, how critical are probiotics? Nothing is as critical as food. Food drives these nook and cranny microbial renters that live in you like a hotel in room that if you can think of yourself as a hotel and you've got a room in your nose and a room in your esophagus and a room in your colon and you've got life in there and hopefully they help caretake you and caretake your hormones and your sex and your brain. Nothing caretakes them as much as your dietary choices. Nothing. Probiotics are good. They're helpful. There's a lot of discussion. 
and we're learning so much about it. They've been researched for about the last 25, 30 years, and we're learning more all the time. But the biggest thing that we learn is that the food choices you make drive the health of these renters living in these hotel rooms inside you to caretake your brain and your hormones more than even probiotics. You make your own probiotics by prebiotics in food. So food is the top of the deal, food and exercise and hormone balance and health and getting rid of toxic chemicals that can assault that. In fact, on January 31st of 2017, Harvard got together with the Huffington Post and they initiated a series of forums. And a lot of those scientists on those forums were the the dudes I worked with at, at Tulane. And they said, you know, the two major threats to humanity have been for a number of years, nuclear war and global warming. And the third one now is hormone altering chemicals because hormones, people don't realize run your whole internet system of your body and deliver almost all the emails to yourselves to tell you what to be. So they're not just about sexy and reproductive things. They run your heart and your kidneys and your vocal cords. And yes, they run your brain. So hormone health is huge. Having great sex contributes to a better hormonal health status, but there's a dirty planet out there. So I talk about a sex detox and ways that you can avoid and caretake your hormones to ultimately caretake your sex life in your brain. So I have an almost serious question. So in the past... In the, in the past couple of years, I've become a vegetarian and I try to eat pussy more and more each day. Is that a healthy nutritional um, balance to my diet? Should I do more of it or less? Because Carol seems to be very happy with it. I love this. It's like there's pescatarian, vegetarian. Now you say there's a vegetarian. I love that. And if I, you know, looking at your picture, she's so gorgeous. You have such a beautiful wife, Thank David. You. you really hit the lottery that I can't imagine that you wouldn't want want to be a vegetarian. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. So getting back to your discussion. Come on, are, I was trying to be serious. Yes, oh yeah, sure, David. <laughs> you're trying to be serious. Yeah, I was, I'm smiling, but we know that already. Not so, that, you know, I just have to say, this, sure. not that you need to be beautiful to be attractive. In my book, I discuss this because men are very attracted to beautiful women, but I discuss that if you feel happy, happiness is beautiful. Oh, if you feel so true. If you feel present in yourself that's beautiful you don't have to be beautiful with cultural template designs of beauty it's really in beauty's an inner job so it doesn't mean that every woman has to look like what we say is the beauty on the cover of vogue or something but beauty from the inside out and that is very attractive to your mate but you just happen to be fortunate because you just happen to also be beautiful inside and thank out. You, totally. Thank you. Thank you so much. But it's very interesting what you say because one of the taglines we use for our brand and our show is live happy, healthy, and horny. And you can't be horny if you're not healthy. And if you're not healthy, you can't be happy. So it goes exactly in line with what you've written in your book. That is so right on. In fact, as people get older, one of the reasons we have thought culturally that as you get older, you get become more frail and you lose your sex drive is really because people are less and less healthy. And the one of the first things to go is your circulation decreases or you get heart disease or you have high blood sugar is usually your desire. And that's why we're seeing more and more ill children. We're seeing low hormones and illnesses and eight, nine, and 10, and 15-year-old kids that we used to only see in 70-year-old people. I mean, this is the first generation of kids that's much more ill than their parents and on a track to live shorter lives 
than their parents. And part of that's expressed in the libido, why I was seeing my patients come in with less libido. And when someone is really healthy, they maintain a libido. And part when a patient comes in and says, I'm, I'm I really don't care about sex and I'm relieved not to have it. And we've got separate bedrooms and she's like 27, right? And gorgeous. And so what I do is I clean up their diet. I check out their hormones. I talk to them about the benefit of why you want sex. It isn't just a pleasurable recreation thing. Once your kids are born, it's, it's nature's design to keep your brain and family strong. And then once we get them healthier and then I teach them and, and I have them read the book now, but before that, I was saying it to them directly how to have great sex and before you know it the person who didn't care about sex who was less fit less healthy and unconscious and unaware of the importance and how to go about achieving such great sex now because someone who loves it loves it and it's a regular part of their life and they sparkle they come in the next few months and they look like a different person and then it radiates throughout all of their lives and this even happens in 90 year old people Hmm. If they're healthy and they want to change, you can make change at any age. I had a 90-year-old woman who her kids brought her in. Her husband had died a few years earlier, and she had gained all this weight, couldn't move. Her knees were killing her on all these meds, isolated, didn't want to hang out with the family. Well, it turned out that one of the medications she was on actually was known to cause a lot of weight gain. So we got her off that medication. We got her hormones balanced. We cleaned up her diet. She lost about 55 pounds. We got her really feeling better. She started eyeing the gardener, the pool guy. <laughs> she started dating the pool guy. And I get a card with from the kids with a bouquet of flowers at Christmas time saying, thank you, you know, you gave us our mom back. It's never too late or never too early. And usually it's a sign that things are not right, you know, that align in Shakespeare or something south rotten in Denmark. Yes. When you don't have a great sex drive, that's a sign that, that something's not working right. Now, one of those things that you talked about, which was making the right food choices. Now, I'm assuming that's like you mean going away from fast food and adding more fresh and colorful meals to your diet. But can you be more specific about how you when you talk about cleaning up the diet? Well, then, so we've talked about the importance of healthy hormones to have a healthy gut and brain. Hormones are assaulted by pesticides and chemicals. So the more that you can reduce toxic chemical exposure in your life, the number one thing is eat organic as much as you can. Pesticides love to store in fat. So foods that are high in fat, if they're sprayed with pesticides, store those pesticides more than foods that have less fat. So you can have a lot of pesticides on strawberries and spinach. Those are two foods at the top of the sprayed chain. But they won't hold as much pesticides as inorganic cheese or milk or meat, which have a lot of fat in it. So just starting to have less pest inorganic food really does help your sex life, helps your sperm count, and it doesn't have to be perfect. There's been a lot of research, especially out of Swedish and Danish farmers, where they checked sperm count and erectile capability and desire and linked it to who was eating organic and who wasn't. 
And if some farmer was eating at least a quarter, that's only 25%. You have, let's say you have 20 meals in a week. And if, if uh, that means five out of those w- meals of 20 were organic, they tended to have more desire, better erectile function, and better sperm count. So nature is forgiving. You don't have to be perfect, but it's good to clean up your diet as much as you can. And the first thing you can do is try and eat more organic food. And sprouts have the most life of any food you could possibly eat. I go to Whole Foods if I'm not growing them myself or I grow them myself, but you can go to Whole Foods or a place that grows sprouts. In my refrigerator, you'll often find microgreens, broccoli sprouts, fenugreek sprouts, mung bean sprouts. Sprouts are filled with life because they're the plant, the seed growing just one or two inches, and it still has all the life force to grow into a huge plant. So you're eating life force. Dark leafy greens are captured sunlight because dark leafy greens are filled with chlorophyll. That's what gives kale or lettuce or parsley or watercress its color but in the center of chlorophyll is magnesium and it's as the plant tracks the sun if you put a plant in a room it'll actually lean toward where the sun is shining through the windows and then it captures it so when you eat a green leafy plant you get sunlight and everybody feels better when they're out on a beach in the sun you must have had a great time on the ship yeah, last we week right yes so that makes you better so if you eat foods more that are captured sunlight you feel better and your sex life feels better and is this the basis of your sex hormone receptor detox program that you offer? Well, I actually, it's a 10-day sex hormone detox program, and I give it to a lot of people before I put them on hormone replacement, or if they've been taking hormone replacement and it's not working, or if they have issues that are secondary to hormonal imbalance, like even young teenage girls. There's an epidemic of a hormonal issue in teenage girls, which is kind of like menopause in a teenage girl. I mean, we're seeing a lot of weird things that used to happen in older people, but now in younger kids, and it's called polycystic ovarian syndrome. So I'll do the 10-day receptor detox in them, or if people are having trouble, if a man is having a lot of erectile dysfunction, I'll do the 10-day receptor detox with him. So it cleans up the diet, but there's other components to it along with the diet. And there's ways to... To clear it, and the whole purpose of it is to clean out chemicals that are nestling into the the satellite dishes that the hormones long to signal into, but because the chemicals are clogging those satellite dishes, the hormones can't deliver the signal. So the problem is a lot of doctors don't understand hormones and you go to see a doctor and they say, let's test your hormones and they look at your blood work and they say, you're in the normal range, you don't need them. But if your hormone level, your hormone levels could be perfect, but if your satellite receptors where the hormones need to deliver their signals are clogged, you could have perfect levels, but it won't work. Or if you're deficient in nutrients, remember I said the brain is a bag of nutrients and nutrients lean on digestion. So if you're eating a a nutrient, not dense diet, or you're not digesting a really healthy diet, there's all these layers by which hormones might malfunction. But regular docs aren't set up at the moment to evaluate you like that. And as more regular demands and 
coding demands increase on those doctors and visits shorten, it's less likely you're going to be assessed in that way. So that's why I wrote this book so you could do some of the legwork yourself. So besides your book, you have a little ebook called uh, Foodgasm Recipes. And I, I find that very interesting because we were talking about the need to have more and better orgasms. Now we're talking about the need to eat more colorful and healthy and organic food. So if you follow your foodgasm recipes, are you going to have a foodgasm? Oh, definitely. (laughs) I think, so I've been into food for many years. I used to grow all my own food all through school. I had Nubian goats and made my own goat milk. I heard a lecture on You Are What You Eat by Scott Nearing at a Theosophy Society meeting when I was 15 or 16. And I started, that made sense to me. It was like a light bulb went off over my head. I am what I eat. Well, I'm going to start eating better. And lo and behold, I discovered that eating organic and healthy tasted better. And my mother never let me in the kitchen and never let me cook. So I decided to learn how to do that. And I discovered that you could make healthy food taste so good, it tastes like you're sinning. Like it's much better than junk food that's designed to make you addictive and love that flavor. So I started creating recipes that taste so delicious that they people say it's like having a foodgasm. In fact, I have a book coming out at, with all my recipes of my really delicious foods that are totally healthy, and I'm doing it as a collaborative effort with a postdoctoral nutritional program to make it real easy, really fun, because I'm working on a few other books, and I said, I'll never finish this book unless this university works with me. So now we're doing a collaborative product in some of the PhD students are helping me out and it's going to come out and all those recipes are going to be foodgasmic. Wow. But this little ebook was some of my patients' most favorite. They say that they they just their lives are changed because every time they eat this food, they swoon over the moon. Wow. And yet these foods are healthy. That's beautiful. <laughs> yes. well, and they're easy, easy will, to make. We will definitely get on your bandwagon and help you promote it because if you can eat better and have better sex and have more orgasms, that's what the sexy lifestyle is all about. Yay. I love it. All I right. love it. Lindsay, thanks so much for all this great advice of, about how to build and repair your sex life, adjusting your diet and understanding, you know, the connection between food and sex. Just hang on. We're going to remind everybody that this is The Sexy Lifestyle and we are Carol and David. And today we're talking with Dr. Lindsay Berkson, author of Sexy Brain. It's time for a short break. And when we come back, we're going to be getting into some myth busting. Stay tuned. Yeah, before we get on with the show, we want to talk about Hito 2 in Jamaica. It's one of our favorite places, and it is the sexiest place on earth where you can be as mild or as wild as you like. And we're so excited to tell everybody, we've been talking about it for a couple of shows now, that we're going to be escaping winter 2021, and we'll be at Hito from January 15th to March 26th. We're going to be broadcasting on location, doing a bunch of other things as well. Um, most probably a lot of it will be naked, so come on, come join us for a week or even more if you want you could even be a guest on one of our podcasts yeah it's going to be so much fun and we're just going to feel so good to be home again at Hito from their delicious Jamaican food to the amazing and award-winning entertainment staff and all the sexy fun and erotic guests we are going to be having a blast so join us there as we get naked on the beach again it won't be long now it sure won't all right this is the sexy lifestyle we are Carol and David and up next we're going to bust some myths with Dr. Lindsay Berkson author of Sexy Brain Each show, we invite our sexpert guests to bust a few sexy fun myths to help us filter through some of that misinformation we find out there on the internet, especially when it comes to the topic of sex. Okay, Lindsay, 
Are you ready? I'm ready. I'm on the edge of my seat. Sounds interesting. Okay, I'm ready to hear what you want me to listen. (laughs) Here's a myth I found on the internet. Well, you tell me if it's a myth. Birth Birth control pills make you gain weight. So that is individual. But yes, birth control pills are made up of endocrine disrupting hormones. They're synthetic. So the estrogens are ethanyl estradiol and the progesterone is progestins. And in some women, they definitely make them gain weight. In fact, I just wrote a blog and published it yesterday on the link between birth control pills and other shadow sides. Birth control pills have been clearly shown. A study came out about a week ago published in the New England Journal of Medicine on one 8 million women that birth control pills are highly significantly linked to an increased risk of breast cancer and the longer you take them the longer the risk they're also linked to leaky gut to inflammatory bowel disease the list goes on it's shocking that a drug that is used by multiple millions of women worldwide most people don't know this I spoke about this at the gut conference in Chicago to a hundred medical doctors and none of them had heard this literature so that little question opened up a big birth control pills aren't as safe as taking an aspirin they're very very nuanced and you should work with a person who can assess your family genetics and decide whether they're risky for you or whether they're really beneficial for you. Wow, that's very interesting. Beautiful. I'm, g- I'm going to get back to orgasms because I like orgasms. <laughs> so, <laughs> so this myth is orgasm is the only goal during sexual intercourse. Well, we know that we love orgasms, but it's not the only goal. That, totally not the only goal. The, it's the journey, not just the destination. And it's so delicious to hang out in the journey. And I think men who are raised in their physiology longs for that being in the bullseye, just going right to the center. Once men grok that too, it becomes delicious for both members and multiple members to understand that the process of intermingling is so fabulous. And you know, one of the things, because sex does release all these chemicals and hormones that are brain sensitive, you can, while you're touching and eye gazing and pleasuring each other, you can feel when these start to be released. And then being cognizant and aware of that makes you go to a whole nother level, which is almost like an orgasm, but it's just, it's a bit below it, but it's more sustained. So the idea that it's only the big O is the big no. <laughs> you know, I like the way I like the way you keep saying, you know, don't just go for the point. It's about the journey. And uh, we've talked about it many, many times on our show. And, and, and Carol came up with this analogy, which is the clit is not the first thing you go to. The clit, first of all, isn't just a button and it's not like an elevator where you press it and the more you press it, the faster it's gonna come. It just doesn't work that way. You have to get the blood coming down to the whole clit, which the legs are two or three or four inches long and get everything aroused. And that is part of the journey to get to the orgasm and, and you put it you know so well so many guys they just want to go in hit the button hope she's going to come and then quick fuck and they're both done and that that whole journey is is very short where the whole experience should be much much longer and pleasurable and that's once if a woman has that button journey we'll call it the button journey rather than the boudoir 
journey, mm-hmm. she's not going to want to keep doing it. Right. Yeah. She's going to have the headache and she's going to, and it's understandable. But if she has the experience where she's along for the ride and it's amazing for both of you, she will want it even more than you think you want it. And that is the way it should be. But you can't get there unless you really know how to get there. And if your hormones and health are in place to be able to back up your desire. Absolutely. So here's something else I found on the internet, and you'll let us know what you think. Chocolates and oysters will get you in the mood for sex. So... Oysters are very high in zinc, and a man loses quite a bit of zinc when he ejaculates, and a woman absorbs a lot if there isn't a barrier method, and all of hormones need zinc to be able to deliver their signal. That's why the brain has more zinc than any other organ except the prostate, because hormones really rule the brain. That's why I call the book Sexy Brain, and they can only deliver their signals to rule the brain if there's enough zinc there. So that's Oysters are a high zinc food, so there's the thought, well, because they're a high zinc food, they're an aphrodisiac food. They don't really make you feel sexier, but ultimately they do. If you eat more oysters or foods that are high in zinc, you're able to make more semen and come more robustly because semen contains, it's almost like a a multivitamin mineral, low-carb paleo substance. It's really (laughs) a cool substance. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a lot to be said about a woman consuming semen and cum. In fact, I have a whole entire, I just put a 30-hour course together called Redefining Hormones in Today's Toxic World, and I've got videos on why you want semen, how our toxic world is assaulting semen, why did nature design semen. It's really quite extraordinary. There's so many brain factors in semen, and just that alone says that, you know, nature wants you to be in a relationship with some people where you can share that, you know, with a monogamous relationship where you can share that, or, I, you know, I've always wondered how, in that, I'll listen to your other shows to find out how you, when you're with people that you're not monogamous with, how you have that safety factor with that, because that's a cool part of sex that semen's so rich in zinc. A chocolate does seem to make a lot of women feel a bit more sexy. It's very high in magnesium and minerals. Women love chocolate, not every single woman on the planet, but it does seem to be a pretty femme fatale, common denominator for women. And a lot of women, when they get chocolate do feel relaxed because magnesium is again the center of the chlorophyll molecule it's captured sunlight and it makes you it's nature's valium it's nature's sunlight so women are more responsive to these things they're more sensitive because women are designed to be more sensitive so the baby's in danger we can hear it so women are more sensitive to the captured sunlight and minerals that we might find in chocolate where men might not be that sensitive to them because they were designed by nature to be more solid to be stable for the family to be able to caretake the family and that you know there's a lot of jokes made about men can only think of one thing at a time and women are multitaskers but that was made that way by nature to make the family work so because of that women are more sensitive to things and magnesium is captured sunlight and a relaxing mineral it's high in 
chocolate. So women do respond to that in chocolate. Well, that's great because I love chocolate and I love oysters. And you love orgasms. <laughs> and I love orgasms. Okay, I think we have time. I love all three too. <laughs> Yay, Lindsay. Yeah. I, I think we have time for one more myth and let's uh, let's see this one. Women only want sex. I like this section. This is cool. <laughs> it's yeah. fun. There's all sorts of topics <laughs> I here. I like this. Very fun, yeah. Here's the last one. What, women only want sex in order to gain emotional intimacy with their partner. That is not true at all. In fact, once a woman has awakened sex, she might want sex fast and rough at one point. She might want it slow and mysterious. She might want to meet you at a bar and pretend you've never met each other before and not have any panties on. (laughs) Women want to have the whole adventure of it, you know, and women want sex for as many different reasons as guys will want sex once they feel comfortable with you, safe with you, and once they've experienced all these other forms of sex. They don't, some women never really have an orgasm. They never really have great sex. So they just think of sex as intimacy because they don't have all these other delicious nuances that take some education and understanding and tuning into each other and talking. And once you've had that, then women can want sex for this myriad number of reasons. And a man too. Men you know, they have this great few months after the first time you fall in love, and then they kind of fall into that button theory. I love the way you put it, David. <laughs> and they lose out, too, if it's just like that, because then they're not getting this whole universe and galaxy that sex can be many diverse different ways, depending on how you feel and what's going on in your life. It could be fast. It could be slow. It could be naughty. It could be nice. It could be so many different ways that you can enjoy the thing that nature intended you to enjoy for nature to want you to be healthier and have a more stable life. But unless you know this, you lean on the old fallbacks. Wham, bam, thank you, man, for the guy. And, oh, it just is nice and it'll make him not go away and we just hug at night for the mm-hmm. lady. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot more diversity than that. Super, that Amazing. was great. All right, Lindsay. Um, I like the fact that you brought up awakened sex. I'm going to ask you to hang on for a second because we're going to talk about that next in our Great Sex Matters segment. But thanks so much for those amazing myth-busting skills. Let's remind everybody that this is The Sexy Lifestyle. We are Carol and David. And like I just said, up next is our Great Sex Matters segment. This is The Sexy Lifestyle, and we are Carol and David. And now, for our favorite part of the show, this is where we get to talk about great sex. Because great sex matters, and we all deserve it. Today, we have Dr. Lindsay Berkson, author of Sexy Brain, and now we're going to pick her brains about awakened sex. So, Dr. Lindsay, what exactly do you mean when you talk about awakened sex? That's a great question. I mean it on several levels. The first level is I have this amazing mentor, and his name is Michael Baker. He's a scientist at the University of California, and he has been studying everything estrogen and testosterone for his whole career. And he was kind enough to give me so much of his work, of his research, and he's been able to show how estrogen and testosterone were first on the planet when the very first vertebrate animal was signaling and how they interact with each other. And so I really go in a very easy to understand and an entertaining way. And I explain this to the reader and I translate this into to-dos with sex. And that lets people be more awakened to how we are biologically hardwired. 
because so that's one level of awakening because a lot of times in today's world we have such an entitled society and women feel like they want everything from a guy he should be their best girlfriend well a guy isn't a girlfriend he's not necessarily going to be your best girlfriend and they want him to do this and do this and do this in the same way with the guy they say I want a woman to be really great in bed and really feminine and really sexy and make a whole bunch of money and not need me at all well that does that's not how we're hardwired it's as though we're wanting every good thing from that person our other but we're not honoring how they're biologically wired at the atomic level of how estrogen and testosterone work which you're saying males you know, and so females a man, are, sorry males and females are wired differently they are wired very differently and if you are awakened to those differences and you can translate them into how you approach each other rather than being frustrated that they're not who you think you want them to be but you can be excited to deal with them the way that really works with the way they're wired then you can go about having sex in a more awakened way so i then translate that into how we touch each other how we kiss each other what a woman likes what a guy likes from mri studies looking at what happens to a brain when a guy makes love and an mri studies that look at what happens to a brain when a woman makes love and based on our hormones you can translate that into ways to approach your lover Rather than just, oh, well, he's the perfect guy, we should go into the bedroom, we should start kissing, take our clothes off, and it's all going to be okay. So you become awakened to another level of the language of love. And that allows you to be more sophisticated and more successful. You don't have to always do it, but it gives you a bigger picture. It's like when you go to a therapist, you get a bigger picture of your family of origin and why you are who you are. Or when you learn another language and you go to Crete, you go to different place civilizations and you see Mm -hmm. how different people live and eat it enlarges your bigger picture of humanity and you become a more sophisticated higher functioning person rather than thinking the whole world is like your little family in your little town in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. <laughs> That's fine. You, know, yeah. you become a bigger person yeah. and awaken sex if you can see sex in that way. That we, we di- men and women have different ways that our atoms rule us. We have different ways that our brain rules us and we have different ways that our hormones rule us and so when we go about touching each other and being there for each other if we are aware of this sometimes we can act on it and have these long appropriate sessions sometimes we can still do wham bam and have it in a real more shortened crazy way but we become such a more sophisticated and successful lover and we learn more about our body that way but does it also allow us to have bigger orgasms and always better sex it does when i i was working for six years at a family practice clinic here in austin for three weeks out of the month and i'd go for one week out of the month to tulsa oklahoma because i had this other mentor that was a cardiologist and internist with a phd in nutrition and a brilliant guy he thought outside the box was a a marvelous physician but many of the young girls in tulsa are raised in a very strict biblical bible belt scenario and no one ever talks to them about sex and so they would when they first start making love they can't even open up they can't even get juicy they're frightened and yet when you sit and you explain to them the basics of awakened sex and how men and women work suddenly they become even at a younger age multi-orgasmic wow and sex becomes this glue that it was meant to be and joyous and amazing i just happened to name it 
awakened because it seemed to be an appropriate word for me. So I really saw this a lot with some of the young ladies that I worked with over the years and even some of the older ladies that I worked with because some of the older ladies had felt the same way and had never looked look looked <laughs> had never viewed sex in that way. I just made up a bad word. But, um, <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> but how does the couple work? So, to, how does the couple work together with their communication to to both be awakened at the same level in order to benefit both both of them? Well, there's a, I go into this in detail in the book, but for one example, a woman has huge areas of the brain that respond to speech, and her speech is developed much earlier than men uh, when she's a girl. Women are really run by speech, and men are much more run by visual and feel. So whether a guy likes it or not, he's got to start touching a woman on her skin and he's got to tell her some nice things that he feels about her. That will start turning her on. Now, he doesn't have to do this every single time you make love, but in the beginning as you're getting to know each other and and, and this is some of the way a woman is definitively wired, she will respond to hearing nice things said to her and to having her skin touched. When a woman's brain is turned on when they've done MRI studies, her whole entire brain gets turned on during sex. In a man, it's mostly two segments of his brain. So a woman wants to be addressed on all these different levels globally. One of the ways is touch, one of the ways is speaking, and a man really likes to be touched. You know, a woman, he really likes a woman to put her hand around his penis and start touching him, so forth, and going to touch him immediately, where she wouldn't normally have said that, but it is really something. But he doesn't respond as much to touch on the rest of his body unless you ask him. Some men do, some men don't. Some men like their nipples touched, some men hate their nipples touched. You know, it varies a lot. But these are a woman is so much more wired to speech and to global touch and a man is much more wired to how he sees you so it's nice for a woman to start if she knows this to start letting the man know how she's feeling which most women would be really quiet or they wouldn't say ooh or they wouldn't talk up but once they understand that that really then turns the man on and then you start getting into a sophisticated dance where you're each feeding into what each other would like, not just using the other person as a masturbatory uh, trophy person that will give you what you want. You're looking to see how you could fulfill their dreams and together you could fulfill each other's dreams. So in, in other words, don't treat your partner the way you want to have sex. Learn what what makes them want to have sex. Ooh, I should have said that. That oh. was a better way to say it. <laughs> I don't know. That's kind of what I got out of it. It's absolutely right because we've been raised – I don't know what it is. We we have this entitlement thing going on in America right now where we think we, we should have everything, but then that means having everything that we want on the terms that we want, and we don't realize that part of sharing an amazing experience with a person is also giving them what they want on the terms that work best for them, right. and then that actually gets you better what you want yeah. rather than – wanting to just look at what you want from it. So it's such a mutual dance. But most of us don't realize all this is going on. You know, this is a lot of sophisticated thinking about intimacy. Like if we wanted to be a pianist and we wouldn't ever in a million years think we could sit down in front of a piano and just start playing complex, amazing music 
without having some study and research and some basic philosophy and then And practice. lots of practice. Lots, lots of practice. and lots of practice. Right. Some good, some bad, some in, some out. But phenomenal sex is that way too. But who tells you that? Mm-hmm. Except for somebody like you, David and Carol, mm-hmm. or this book. And I have a course, some courses that I've designed for Christmas time because it's Christmas time where I talk a little bit about that because I, I think the word needs to get out there because happier home life and greater intimacy really will translate into a happier planet. And the planet is wounded at the moment and it needs happier couples. It absolutely does. So what I am going to wrap up with one final question where you get to give some real advice and we know that you have a program with 17 steps to becoming an amazing lover but what would you say would be the top two things a couple could do tonight that would start their journey towards becoming better lovers and having great sex every night so one of the things that happens out of the um, university of georgia in atlanta they took a look at the blood levels of testosterone in heterosexual couples before they made love and after they made love over quite a number of nights. And every single time couples made love, they made more testosterone and testosterone protects the brain. And the nights they didn't make love, you would think they wouldn't make a lot of testosterone. It would be level, just a level, the same status of blood level before they made sex, but instead it went down. It actually went down. So one of the things that couples can do, no matter what, even if you're not having sex, is to touch each other. Because in that study, they found that if you made love, your testosterone levels went up. If you touched each other, your testosterone levels went up. If you laid in bed and never touched each other, they went down. Wow. And testosterone gives you a stabilizing effect in a hectic world. That's why men are more rock solid. Testosterone has a personality of being more rock solid. So make sure you touch your mate before you go to bed, even if you're not making love. That will help their body make more testosterone. And if during the day you have at least about 3,000 milligrams of vitamin C, you can take it as a supplement or you can eat a lot of fresh veggies and vegetables and fruits and also if you take minerals with zinc in it that will help you utilize the hormones that you make through touching and making love help them deliver better signals to your brain so you'll more likely have an upward lilt in your step and better cognition the next day wow that sounds like a lot of easy things we can do to have great sex like quickly I think so, too. Yes. You know, it's amazing to me how sometimes people come in. When I was in Tulsa, people might be really ill and on 12 or 13 meds, and they were only 31 or 32 years old. And then you go through their diet, and they were doing uh, two two cases of Mountain Dew a day with snickerdoodles (laughs) for breakfast. and, And you just cleaned up the diet. It was amazing the difference in the person because diet drives those those renters in your hotel rooms. Diet drives your intimacy and touching also drives your hormones. So those are some simplistic things that you can now be aware of that are not so complex but really can add 
to your life. Wow, what an amazing show. We can go on for hours and hours and we were, are definitely going to invite you to come back for another show uh, later on in the year. So thanks so much for such a great and insightful discussion all about understanding everything, hormones, how they affect our sex life, how the brain is in charge of everything, how what you eat is in charge of those little um, microbes microbes and saucers in your body. Um, I mean, I'm going to listen to this show like 17 times. I think you times. learned a whole oh, lot I today. so much today. Like I'm a, I'm a Well, you are guy. such talented host. Oh, you ask you. such really inspirational questions. So we really were able to d- dig deep and give the listeners some quality information. So thank you for doing such well, a good I, job. I enjoyed it very much. We both learned so much tonight. Our pleasure. Why don't you take a second now and tell everyone how they can reach out to you, listen to your radio show, because we know you have a great radio show, read your blog, your website, social media, and buy your book and amazing courses. So you can go on Amazon and buy my book, or if you go to sexybrainsystem.com, I've got free gifts for you. You can also buy your book there, and I have a bunch of free gifts if you just hop on to sexybrainsystem.com. My website is drlindsayberkson.com, D-R-L-I-N-D-S-E-Y-B-E-R-K-S-O-N, drlindsayberkson.com. And if you join my email that's free, you get delivered to your email about at least once a week, sometimes once every two weeks, really amazing blogs like the blog just recently was on how birth control pills are related to a shadow side of issues. And the blog before that was how food affects your mood. And I really get into it. And then I also have lots of different courses that are available. And I've got some Christmas gifts. If you go to my breast cancer blog uh, and birth control pills and breast cancer blog. I've got a number of stocking stuffers that if it's the last minute and you want to buy some really cool gifts, for example, I've got a really short four-hour class called Hormones, Breast Biomes, and Food. And it's all about this new understanding about how we have biomes all throughout our body, the crosstalk, and the Cleveland Clinic's new research, how we even have biomes in our breast. And women that get breast cancer have unhealthy breast biome. And women that don't get breast cancer have healthy breast biome and which foods help you keep a healthier breast biome. I mean, that's a really great little Christmas gift. And I've got my radio show, Dr. Berkson's Best Health Radio. It's called Dr. Berkson's Best Health Radio. And the conversations are usually about an hour to an hour and a half where we dig deep and really give a lot of amazing information with people who are paradigm shifters in health and the way that we interact in our world and life. And it's all about getting agile thinkers on to help you be a more agile thinker and have more health and more joy and sex in your life. Wow. Beautiful. Excellent. And we will have links to all that up on our website, thesexylifestyle.com. Lindsay, thanks so much for being here. Oh, and if anyone wants a consult with me, I do consults all over the world. So my number is 512-507-3279, and I'm available. I do more part-time now, but I really specialize in very complex problems because I've been in practice 40 years. So Beautiful. A big thank you to our special guest, Dr. Lindsay Berkson, author of Sexy Brain. Sure. And in case, of course, if you missed any of that information, you just have to go to our website, thesexylifestyle.com, where we'll have where every one of our guests has their own guest page with all of their information. And you can even contact them if you have questions or have any inquiries about their work. Absolutely. And like we did today, we're learning more and more every week with all our fantastic expert guests. We hope you do, too. And if you have any questions at all, you can always send us an email at ask.com 
at carolandavid.com. And please remember to stay safe, stay healthy, follow all the suggested protocols issued by your local health authorities, wash your hands, avoid touching your face, practice social distancing, and please wear a mask. Wear a mask, wear a mask, wear a mask. All right, that's it for our show today. It's always a pleasure, and please stay safe. And we also want to thank everybody for listening week in and week out. You can join us again next time for another hour of The Sexy Lifestyle, talking about sex, sexuality, sexual health, and all the fun ways to spice up your sex life and live happy, healthy, and always horny. All righty, that's it for the show today. Remember, stay safe, and of course, stay sexy. We're sending you lots of love, and of course, great sex. Until next time. Thank you for joining Carol and David for this week's edition of The Sexy Lifestyle. We've got another one lined up next Friday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The weekend is just around the corner, so try something new, spice it up, and you just might have the best sex ever.